Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to a special edition of Beyond Mediocrity with James Prince. I am your host, and so glad to have you join me for a few minutes to fulfill our purpose of motivating others to push beyond mediocrity to be exceptional. Today is Sunday, September 15th, 2019, and this episode is unique for several reasons, but mainly because on September 15th, 2004, I was given a letter which transcribed a very detailed dream and prophecy by Minister April Hayes. Hey, April, I'm not sure if you're still listening. I hope you are. But April was a part of the Ministerial Alliance at a local church that both of us attended at the time. And she did an absolutely remarkable job detailing what she saw in a dream 15 years ago. After vetting the dream with senior leaders, she was commissioned to share a two-page document with me interpreting what that dream meant. Now, I won't read the actual dream, uh, but I will share the prophecy that followed the interpretation of that dream. And it reads as follows. The Lord will lay on you a new anointing to send you a way that's never been. As you go the way of the Lord, you will grow stronger and steady. You will encounter the impossible and he will lead you into places that you cannot succeed in your ability. But your faith in God and your obedience will bring you into a land of, quote, good success. You will bless the lost, the forgotten, the misjudged, the hurting, all God's people who have encountered a delay in their destiny. And by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, they will be set free. Their flames will be ignited and they will go the way of the Lord and continue in his work. Because of your obedience, your faith and your desire in him, he will give you the land being ministry, business, property and influence your feet will trod. He will prosper you in desolate and dry places and give you favor with impossible men. You will sit at the table of kings and they will hear and heed advice from you. You will speak life into the dying and they will live again. Uh, crazy, right? That's, that's amazing that this woman was able to, to put on paper what she got from a message that God had given her. Uh, remember, what you just heard was two paragraphs of a two-page document. The dream itself was absolutely extraordinarily descriptive. And still, as powerful as this was, a message directly from God, I recall feeling completely overwhelmed and inadequate, to be honest with you, about what it said. It wasn't because I didn't believe in prophecy or that uh, I was spooked by April's dream. No, to the contrary, I very much believe that God speaks to us through various people, through places, even dreams. In fact, the Old Testament tells the story of Joseph and the impact that his God-given dreams had on the lives of everyone he knew, including himself. So if you ever want to read a really powerful message of how bad things happen to good people, start in the book of Genesis chapter 37 and you'll see why I wasn't necessarily thrilled to hear a powerful dream that someone had about me. When, when I read this letter, and this was my 34-year-old self, this is again 15 years ago, uh, I had no idea what this meant. So simply put, I wasn't ready. I filed that letter literally and put it in the top drawer of my nightstand and simply went on with my life, went on with my day, uh, and did so for the next decade or so. Little did I know that much like Joseph, things were going to get interesting for me 
over the next course of years. So let's fast forward down the road from 2004. A lot transpires after this great and powerful, mighty dream and prophecy that was revealed, right? First thing was that I left that church. (laughs) Strange enough, the reason for my departure is immaterial at this point, but it certainly wasn't something that I could have expected after receiving such an amazing revelation of what my life was to become. I also left a very good corporate job right before the Great Recession. This was back in 2008, y'all. As a result, I remained unemployed for six months, which I'm not complaining. There are people who have been unemployed for longer than that going through the Great Recession. But uh, this was at the same time, by the way, that I was learning that I was about to be a father. Yeah, so no job. My $640 a month Cobra bill was pulling what little cash that I did have set aside from paying all my bills. And eventually, I ran out of money to pay for medical insurance with a wife who was five months pregnant. So I remember the day going down to the Medicare office. uh, And yeah, that means that, in case you all don't know, that means I was on welfare for a brief moment, y'all. Yeah, I was so distraught and on this road to depression as I sat there in that Georgia clinic waiting for uh, these things called WIC vouchers. Uh, They basically allow you to be able to purchase essential food items like milk and uh, bread and that kind of thing. But it was all from government assistance. That's right. You heard me. Government assistance. Now, remember, just a few years prior was this fantastic dream and prophecy that I read to you just a few minutes ago. Eventually, I convinced one of my favorite restaurants, Houston's, uh, to hire me as a server. And, uh, you know, you think that somebody with a healthy educational background and 20 plus years of professional work experience would think that, you know, being a server was beneath them. But I was absolutely thrilled to have that job waiting tables. And uh, I did everything I could uh, to prove that I, I was grateful for that job. This was back in 2009, January 2009. Well, things seem to be picking up, right? Things seem to be getting a little bit better, you know, having uh, that experience. But uh, one month later in February 2009 is when I received notice that my dream home that I was living in at the time was going to be auctioned off at the Cobb County Courthouse due to foreclosure. Yeah, I was about to lose my house. And, you know, yeah, this was a norm for many people back then, uh, especially with the Great Recession. But it certainly I didn't think would be a norm for someone who had been given this fantastic dream several years ago. Right. Well, fortunately, I'd regained some financial stability a couple of months later. uh, And after being hired as a general manager with a major retailer, I was making some substantial money. So I was able to catch up on the past due mortgages, you know, be prepared for when the baby was there. Uh, Everything seemed to have been going well. So all was well. Right. Right. Well, three years later, I leave that retailer and that $200,000 a year job for the competition. And it was based solely on the promise of a VP who, right after I started, left the company. He quit. He retired. So things would have worked out if he hadn't left shortly after I got there. But I felt like I was completely stuck. Yet, despite feeling bamboozled, Uh, I self-consulted through my misery on that job by working hard, staying grateful, and trying to be as positive as I could given the circumstance. So yeah, I made lemonade, ginger lemonade, my favorite, you know, with the lemons that I was dealt with. But uh, wait, there's more. (laughs) Over the course of those next couple of years after this, uh, I end up uh, getting a divorce. 
Yeah, some of you all know my story, but for those who don't, yeah, that was another part of my, my journey. And uh, of course, dealing with the typical drama that comes with divorce. But the good news was that as you keep moving down my road of life, uh, a couple of years later, I meet the beautiful Ariane Christina, my, my, life, my, my current wife. And uh, we fall in love, got married, had a baby, and uh, sold that house. Now, here's where the prophecy returns. Now, remember, I told you that I'd filed that letter back in 2004 because I had no idea what it meant and how it was going to manifest itself. So uh, here it is now, some 14, 15 years later, as Ariane and I are packing up to move, I find that letter tucked in the back of that top drawer of the same nightstand. Now, I grab the letter. Uh, it's, at that point, it started turning yellow and all that. And uh, it just didn't stand out to me. So you know what I did? I threw it in the trash. But suddenly, my gut told me that I should have taken that letter out and read it. So that's what I did. I went and pulled it, literally pulled it out of the trash and grabbed it and reread it. And uh, this is all true story for the record. I have no need to make anything up. Everything that you just heard me say is true. But it was crystal clear to me at that point when I read that prophecy, when I read that letter. Here it is 15 years later. What God wanted me to receive from that dream and that prophecy. And as a matter of fact, I was reminded of the Old Testament Bible verse uh, from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, 43 verse 18 and 19, which says this, and I feel like this may be something God is telling someone now listening. And that's why, again, I think that this is a special episode uh, that the Lord says this. And this is, again, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. According to Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Let me read it one more time. I really feel like somebody needs to hear this. The Lord says this. Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Instead, watch for the new thing I am going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. That's Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Now, before you go jumping to conclusions about prophecy uh, and the people that are gifted to foresee things, uh, we know them as clairvoyants today. Some of y'all probably even think of psychics, but allow me to explain a couple of things. Prophecy is often mysticized and uh, meaning made mystical. Uh, and all that is, is having a spiritual meaning or reality that is neither apparent to the senses nor obvious to the intelligence. Now, the reason why I felt it was necessary to bring out the spiritual meaning of prophecy is that you've heard me time, time and time again say that we are spiritual beings having a natural experience. Many people want to think that we are natural beings having a spiritual experience. It's quite the, the opposite. So prophecy should not be viewed as strange or bewitching. Uh, it's an expression of God's message to our spiritual selves. So for those who don't believe in God, or resist that urge to be spiritual, let me just say it this way. Even you have to admit, there are times that you feel an energy, a palpable force, if you will, uh, a sense of connection with others. Sometimes it may manifest itself in that heat in your neck when, when you get cut off in traffic. That's an energy that you feel towards that person that cut you off. Or maybe it sometimes comes uh, when someone mistreats your child. Whatever that is, that energy that you're feeling, that spirit that's coming within you, uh, that's because you are a spiritual being. That's why it bothers you the way it does. Oftentimes we call it chemistry when you meet that person of romantic interest 
or sometimes it's even just someone who's not romantic. You just connect with somebody. That's a, an energy or, or a spiritual connection. It's excitement sometimes when we win uh, a game or when we see a team that wins. Maybe it's the heaviness that you see when you watch footage or that you feel when you watch footage of displaced hurricane victims or uh, other people who have been mistreated for, for no reason of their, of, of, of their own. I'm not trying to be deep or offer some new philosophical theory of our existence. I'm simply choosing to believe and purport to you that we all possess a spiritual connection to others, a spiritual connection to others, and are thereby mutually accountable to each other's spiritual growth. So what's my point? You know, the whole reason why I even feel the need to share this podcast is that it's a fulfillment of that dream and that prophecy from 15 years ago. Specifically, that part that says that I will speak life into the dying and they will live again. Now, I don't take it lightly that something like this was given to me, nor do I elevate myself to be anything greater than, than the next man. But uh, having heard since I was a child that I had a, quote, call on my life, I, I can tell you, I gave my heart to Jesus at age 15. And I had my first trial sermon at age 21 when you get up and you basically just uh, speak a few things uh, to, a, to an audience. Uh, I went from, from college to seminary, graduated, and went to study uh, here in Atlanta and earned a Master of Divinity degree instead of a Master of Business and uh, Administration. I also earned a Master of Arts in Christian Education, uh, and this was from an historically black institution by the age of 27. I, I have had a lot of experience trying to grow my spiritual self. Ironically, you know, I think about when I graduated from seminary, uh, it was in that same year, y'all, that I chose to walk away from the religious establishment. I think I shared this on the first podcast, episode one. But uh, after seeing so many religious folk abuse their level of influence, I went buck wild. I mean, I'm talking strip clubs, smoking cigarettes, you know, near miss DUIs. By God's grace, I never got arrested, even though I probably should have for drinking and driving. All of that was because of what I'd seen displayed by irresponsible church leaders. And I'm not here to put church leaders on blast. I've said that before, but I'm telling you simply what my experience has been. Many people lose faith in God as a result of humanity. But it's important to remember God created humans. And as we are sons and daughters of the creator, we are by default in relationship with one another. That's the, the reason why I want to get this message out. So while I can easily look at every mistake, every error, every judgment made by a religion, I recognize this, and I've said it before, God doesn't care about religion. God cares about relationships, that spiritual connection that I talk about. This podcast, this episode, I mean, every episode that will proceed and every episode that will follow is me speaking the dying perspective, speaking to the dying perspective of how we see ourselves in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again, because I think I screwed that up. This episode, I mean, this podcast, this episode, every episode that preceded this episode and every episode that will follow is me speaking to the dying perspective of how we see ourselves in the kingdom of God. And I'm declaring right now life to all who are, quote, called to be sons and daughters of God. Now, something deeply spiritual, far beyond what we know or have led to think, is there. And it is that internal burning desire that we cannot shake, that is overwhelming and outside the lines of our comfort zones that God wants us to respond to. Whatever that spiritual urge is that you have, we all have it. 
That's my point. So let's just make this plain. We are here on this earth to fulfill a purpose greater than ourselves. And as scary as it may be to pursue purpose, I know that's a a buzzword nowadays, but it's something that we all know. We've got a, a call to do something. The question is, what would you do if you weren't afraid of how scary it is? I'll pause and let you answer. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Well, my challenge to you today is do it anyway. While you may not have a 15-year-old prophecy to give you courage, you had a grandmother, maybe, who told you that you were destined to be amazing. Maybe you had a teacher or a coach who made you think for a moment that you were gifted, that you were talented, you were special, that you were exceptional. You had a total stranger, maybe, come up to you and speak a word of encouragement when you were at your lowest moment in life. Maybe you had Oprah Winfrey or Bill Gates or Black Lives Matter or white nationalism prick your heart or move you to want to do something. Maybe you know a child. Maybe you know another person in whom you see power to change this world for future generations. And they're looking to you for guidance. Whatever it is, you know. You know what it is. You know there's something in you and you don't need me to tell you. The question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? No one can answer that question for you. So uh, before I go, let me give you three tips and takeaways. Tip and takeaway number one, actively participate or excuse me, actively anticipate what God is going to work through you. The scripture that I read earlier says, watch for the new thing I am going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. If you actively anticipate, that's what watch means. You're looking for something for God to do. Look for it. God is going to work through you. Actively look for it. Tip and takeaway number two. Find someone you love and trust to help you develop and share your personal purpose statement. I believe I gave you mine during our first, very first episode of Beyond Mediocrity. But in case you need an idea of how it could could sound, and it doesn't have to sound like this, but I'm just telling you what mine was. It simply goes like this, that I, James Lee Prince, was born to fulfill God's purpose of motivating others to push beyond mediocrity to be exceptional. This is achieved through leadership, instruction, and inspiration. All who know me or meet me will value our time together. Find someone that you love and trust to help you develop your own personal purpose statement. And then once you've gotten that purpose statement out there, this is tip and takeaway number three. Pray, meditate, and focus your attention on fulfilling that purpose. Think about the positive things in life. One of my personal goals is to be so positive that negative people can't stand to be around me. And I know that probably sounds, you know, a little arrogant. Uh, it may sound like it's fake, you know, but no, I want to be so positive that people who are negative don't want to be around me. And so they either leave or they change and become more positive. Either way, I want them to recognize that the God love in me is a form of positivity. Now, remember, nothing that we do that is great or is considered great is in or of ourselves. We only do what we do through God's enablement. We only achieve that greatness through God's ability. Nothing positive in my life was or is or ever will be possible without God. 
It is in him or her. Who knows? I don't know. I've never met God. You know, but I believe that uh, whoever we believe God to be, that we live and move and exist because of God, knowing that it takes the pressure off of me. And I'm assuming that it probably would for you as well. So before I go, let me pray real quick. God, I intercede on behalf of every person listening to this podcast, recognizing that they too have a new thing that you're doing in their lives. I pray for new guidance, new faith, new talents, new missions, new people, new revelation is given to each and every person. Give us all insight to do the wisest thing with that courage and tenacity to complete that task. Help us to see the world through your eyes and to pursue a cause that unites us, that gives us a greater universal love for every soul we encounter. Let everyone on this podcast who's listening, let them be amazed by your demonstration of power and that there is no reason to wonder if you made something happen. Let them clearly see that you made something happen. Uh, Thank you for calling us all to one another, that we are connected to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know this one probably was not uh, as insightful as you probably thought it would be as the last one. I know we had a really good episode uh, number 15, uh, talking about uh, that uh, winning the mind of when, I forgot what it was called, but y'all know what I'm talking about. But uh, for episode 17, uh, I'll be back to pull from Jack Canfield's book. That's where we used it last time. Success principles, how to get where you are to where you want to be. Uh, this time we're going to be using principle number 55 uh, titled Be a Class Act. So <clears throat> I hope that you'll all join me next week to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, As a matter of fact, let me give you a quick quote on what you should expect. In every society, there are human benchmarks, certain individuals whose behavior becomes a role model for everyone else, shining examples that others admire and emulate. We call those individuals class acts. And this is from uh, one of the uh, co-founders and president of the Strategic Coach uh, Incorporated, Dan Sullivan. So if uh, you tune in next time, you'll hear uh, us say a little bit more about what things you can do to be a class act. Everybody thinks they've got class, right? We all do. But uh, of course, sometimes if you go and ask a friend of of us or someone that we know close, uh, they may question it. But uh, we're going to talk about how you can be a class act next time here on uh, Beyond Mediocrity. But one more thing before I let you go. Uh, I'm very glad to report that I now have an official domain. It's www.beyond-mediocrity.com. So Uh, If you want to contact me and send me a prayer request, uh, or maybe you want to suggest uh, some future topics that you'd like for me to cover, uh, send your emails to jprince at beyond-mediocrity.com. That's jprince at beyond-mediocrity.com. And I'll do my very best to oblige and respond as soon as possible. But please keep me in your prayers. Uh, I intend to do everything that that letter, that that prophecy, that that dream told me to do. And I hope that you uh, got something from this same message that uh, I share with you uh, to do, do the same. So until next time, take care and God bless.